Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 43. I'm going to be looking at the whole chapter. I'm going to try to summarize certain parts of it because it's going to be too long. But I want to talk about more to come. What does it mean, this idea of there are There's more to come for us. God is not a stingy God, but he has a purpose for us. And he wants to be able to show us little by little that there are more that he wants to do in us and in our church than what we have experienced. And so as you turn to that passage, I want to start off and ask this question. Uh, As you think about this new year, what was your favorite memory from 2022? Now, many of us are going to still struggle saying 2023 or 2023, but just think about this past year. It's only been a day, but think back to last year, 2022, and what was your favorite memory? And as you're thinking about that, I think all of us will agree, probably one of the best things for all of us that we could get excited about is that the COVID restriction was lifted. Praise God. And uh, some of you are at home watching. Some of you uh, are able to travel. Some of you have traveled uh, just this past week or so. And it's, it's just one of those great feelings when you think about it, man. We've been in lockdown for several years. And just to know that now we're able to travel. Now, the problem is you can't travel to the United States. You need to get a test. You know? So I thought it was just really weird that now it's the other way around. Anyone from China, Macau, and Hong Kong you need to get tested in order to go back to visit family. If some of you have family members in uh, U.S. and now Japan and some of these other areas. Uh, no matter what it is for you, uh, all I can say is there has been a lot of things, a lot of things that have occurred in 2022. If you just kind of take a snapshot, you realize that a lot of people passed away. Uh, not only those who are close to us, but even those who are famous. Uh, This year, there are many significant people who passed away. Uh, You think about some of the different discoveries that happened this year or this past year in 2022. Uh, There were some incredible discoveries that were made. When you think about even some of the wars that got started and governments, transitions in governments all throughout the world, you realize that we are living in a world that it's changing drastically. And it's in these times when we begin to ask ourselves, is there a greater purpose? Now, what is it that God wants us to experience more of? So what I wanted us to do is just to actually give you a visual of everything that has happened in 2022. Now, we can't get every single thing in there, but uh, this one uh, news outlet, they decided to give a quick uh, summary of all the major events that occurred in 2022. So let's just watch this together, and then we'll come back. Some of you might be thinking, all that happened in 2022, and to you, I would say, watch more news. A lot has happened. And it just takes about six minutes or seven minutes to be actually to actually see everything that transpired. And I wouldn't say everything, but majority of the major events that happened around the world. 
question is this. What are you expecting now from 2023? As we look ahead to this whole year, we're just starting on day one. What is it that you're looking forward to? What are some things that's causing you fear? Or maybe some anxiety in your life as you think about this whole new year. For many of us, there are things that we have not settled on. There are things that are unfinished. Things that we have to start doing. And that's why I think it's appropriate as we start off this Sunday on the 1st of January of 2023 and to really focus back on God and what is it that he wants to do, not only in us, in our own personal lives, but in our church, in this city, and around the world. And I want to talk about that as we get a glimpse of the future that God has in store for us. So I want to give us the one thing. The one thing is simply this, that we can look at our future with confidence when we rely on God with dependence. When we learn how to depend on God, we're able to have confidence in the future as we look ahead. So I want to focus in on that as we look at Isaiah chapter 43. There are two things I'm going to focus in on here as we look into the future, our future, with confidence as we rely upon God with dependence. The first thing I want to mention is that we must remember as we think about how God is working in our lives that God reminds us of his grace, that God reminds us of his grace. As we start off in Isaiah chapter 43, let me just put this chapter in context so that it makes more sense and so that we can understand the heart of God and then to ask ourselves, how does this apply into my life? When you look at Isaiah chapter 40, 41, and 42, you get a picture of, God prom of God's promises and what, he, he's, what he's going to do in the future. In fact, he's actually telling them this is what's going to happen in the future. Specifically, in Isaiah chapter 40, he tells the Israelite people that they're exiled because of their disobedience. They were exiled from the land, but they were in Babylon. He makes it very clear that in Isaiah chapter 40, that they will no longer be in exile. It's going to come to an end. Then you move to Isaiah chapter 41, and we see that God promises a leader who will rise up and set the Israelites free. So there's a prophecy. is prophetically talking about that there will be a leader that will be raised up that will set the Israelites free. And then you will notice in Isaiah chapter 42, and it specifically mentions that God will raise up a servant who, as we know now, is the Messiah, who will come and release them spiritually. But here's the thing that I want you to notice. Sadly, in la the last section of 42, Isaiah chapter 42, in verses 18 through 25, we will see that people are still in spiritual captivity due to their disobedience. So I want you to pause here and try to understand what's going on. Here is God telling the Israelite people, these things are going to be happening. And they're good things. But then in chapter 42, towards the end, he makes it very clear that you're still in spiritual captivity because of your disobedience. Now, the thing that I want you to understand about why this is important is that the Israelite people were chosen by God through a covenantal relationship. God initiated. He chose Abraham. 
and through Abraham, all the nations will be blessed. And so this relationship was started by God in this covenant relationship. And they were given a clear mission. What was that mission? They were supposed to be a light to the rest of the world. As God revealed himself to the Israelite people and gave them the laws and to understand who God is and to worship him, as they were obedient to God, their mission was that they were then to be a light to the Gentiles or the non-Jewish world. But as many of you know, in the Bible, they failed in their mission. And it seems as if they were deaf and blind to what God was trying to say and what God was trying to show them. Look at Isaiah chapter 42, verse 18 through 20. This is what the word of God says. Listen, you who are deaf, look and see, you blind, who is as blind as my own people, my servant? Who is as deaf as my messenger? Who is as blind as my chosen people, the servant of the Lord? And see and recognize what is right before, and will you say this yellow section with me? Refuse to act on it. So let me just pause here. How, how often, now you, you got to picture the Israelite people. They, they knew what they were to do. They knew what was right. In the same way, that is our story. God tells us, we see it in the word. We know what we ought to do. But we see here, we refuse to act on it. And then it goes on and goes, you hear with your ears, but what? You don't really listen. So here's God literally speaking to the Israelite people, prophesying of the good things that are going to happen. But towards the end of chapter 42, he says, you know, you don't listen. You're almost as if you're deaf and you're blind. And even when God's fury and judgment were upon the people, they still refused to take heart, to take it to heart, to understand. So let me just, once again, just pause here for a moment and see what's happening before you, we get into the Word. God had a good plan for them. He revealed it. He prophesied over them. But because of their disobedience and stubbornness of heart, and desiring to do what, whatever they want to do and not obeying God. We see here the God, judgment of God was going to be upon them. But even knowing that God was going to judge them, it didn't affect them. That would be like a young child where he says, if you do not stop doing, if you, st if you don't stop doing what you're doing, then you are going to get a timeout. And they're just like, they don't care. It's like defiant. That's what's happening to the Israelite people. And this is when we come to chapter 43 for today. So that's a little bit of a context to understand what's happening now in the passage we're going to read in 43. Now, let me just pause here and say, you know, whenever I read these stories or, you know, when you kind of try to put yourself into it, uh, one of the things that I was thinking about was that it's easy to say, what's their problem? You know, God has made it so clear to them. They should know better. Like many of us probably think like that. Oh, I would never do that. But I want to make sure that we're clear here. I think it might not be exactly what they've gone through, but many of us, we're probably in the same situation, in the same state within our hearts. How many things has God made it very clear to us? And even though he's, even you're facing the consequences right now, 
of some of the bad decisions you've made and some of the things that you're doing that almost defiantly you're saying to yourself, you know, God, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. That's the same kind of heart that we see with these Israelite people. And the question now becomes, what does God do? What does he say? What does he want the people of God to, uh, to understand? As we close out 2022, I want us to really learn from the Israelite people and their relationship with God. Because if we're going to look ahead to 2023, uh, we have to be reminded of God's grace in our lives and over our church. So let me talk about several things that God reminds his people regarding his grace. Because once again, as we're talking about our future, we can be confident when we what? When we really start relying upon God in complete dependence on him and him alone. So in order for us to do that, you've got to be reminded of his grace in your life. Let's go ahead and read Isaiah chapter 43. I'm going to read verse 1 and 2 and expound on that a little bit. And then we'll keep on reading as we talk through this passage. Listen to what it says. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you and I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers and they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Now, what I want you to try to understand is that we talked about chapter 40, 41, 42, that even in the hardness of their heart, and even in their rebellious spirit, this is the word that comes from the Lord. I want you to look at verse 1. Again, and it says the phrase, but now. Here are all these things that you're doing. You're disobedient. You're not listening. You're almost as if you are hearing impaired or you are visually impaired and you're not able to see. You're not able to hear. But he says, but now. It almost seems as if it should be my wrath is upon you. I'm going to destroy you. But he goes on and he begins to clearly tell them who they are. It is a clear description of God's grace because even though they were living in sin, disobedient, rebellious to God, we see that he still intervenes. As his people, it says here, God created them, formed them, redeemed them, called them by name, and they were his. And for us, these are all the things that give us our identity and security because of God's commitment to us. That's what I want you to try to understand when we talk about God reminding us of his grace. Is that even though you are where you are right now, or even all the things that occurred in 2022, as we're trying to look ahead to this year, 2023, there is nothing, nothing good about us that God should somehow bless us. There is nothing that we have done that is righteous, especially in the eyes of God, that somehow He should pour out His favor towards us. 
I think every single person in this room, and myself included, can really understand that there is nothing that we have done that deserves this kind of forgiveness or God loving us in this way. And it's not something, as we keep on talking about, that you could earn or somehow we deeply deserve. Because this is the part I want us to be careful, is that some of you who've been brought up in the church, it is really easy to forget you are just as sinful as that person who do not know, they don't know Christ. The problem with people in the church when you forget about his grace is that you begin to feel entitled. That's why it is often when you see other people getting blamed, you're like, why not me? Also, it is easy in the sense of being entitled that somehow you think you deserve something and we don't. And this is a message that we need to be able to hear in the church. Because a lot of times we hear God loves you, God forgives you. That's all true. But somewhere along the line, many of us, our heart has grown stale because we somehow think we are entitled to it while we're not. That's why God, in the midst of where we are, what does he say? He says, fear not. Not only in verse 1, but it's going to be repeated again in verse 5. We'll read it later. Because God is the one who's in control. And it's God who will work. Not us. It's God. That's why it's a powerful thing, if you think about this, when God purposes something in the world, in our lives, in our church, then he will do everything to accomplish it. Therefore, we don't have to fear or even wonder if things are going to happen or not. We can trust him. So once again, the first thing that we see here as we think about Isaiah chapter 43 is that God uniquely created us. He formed us. The second thing that I want you to notice is this. God not only uniquely creates us, but he unswervingly protected us. Look at verse 2 again. There's a description of passing through the waters, through the rivers, and even walking through fire. Each time, God promises that he will be with them. These troubles and hardships will not overwhelm them. It will not burn them, nor will it consume them. I want you to think about that, that no matter what you go through, it almost seems as if God is saying, I am always with you. I will always protect you. This unrelenting, unswervingly commitment to helping us because he loves us. He protects us. That's why some of you right now, maybe you're not looking forward to 2023 because you're still kind of reeling from 2022. Some of us have gone through difficult situations. Some of us are wondering if God really loves us enough to protect us. And this is the reason why we can have confidence, no matter what we have gone through or what we're going through right now, that he is going to protect us. The third thing that I want you to notice here is we talk about being reminded of his grace. Not only did he uniquely create us and unswervingly protected us, but we see here he undeservingly loved us. Let's read verse 3 and 4 as we continue. Here's God speaking. It says, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. 
I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my sight and honored and I love you, I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Now, what God is saying is that I have demonstrated my love to you, not because it's some kind of quality that you possess as the Israelite people, but it's out of his own choosing. Once again, it's his grace. Verse 4, as we just read, we see that the extent of his love and how far he will go for his people. I want to read it to you, verse 4 in the message translation so that you can understand how powerful that statement is. Listen to what it says. And I want you to read the yellow section with me. It says what? That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. I sell off the whole world to get you back. Trade the creation just for you. Think about that. That he reminds us of his grace, not because we deserve it, but he's telling the people that I uniquely created you and I have unswervingly, without fail, protected you all these years. And that I have, un- to you, undeservedly loved you. So in the midst of chapter 40, 41, 42, rebellion, they know what's going to happen. They know they're under the judgment of God. Any normal human being will say, you know what? Like, we don't deserve this. And that's what God is trying to speak to the heart of the people. God's undeserved love was further shown in verses 5 through 7. I want you to read it with me here. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the, west, from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring your sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. See, the power of this is that he is telling them, I have loved you so undeservingly that even in the midst of your rebellion, I'm going to bring all of you back to this land to worship me. Once again, did they deserve it? No. But this is the kind of God that we serve. That's why I think it's amazing how often we forget this truth for ourselves. Because who we are in Christ allows us to understand that he did create us. He formed us. He called us by name. Everything that the Israelite people in their sin and rebellion and how God dealt with them, it's the same way because of Jesus Christ, God has dealt with us. He didn't punish us. He didn't send down his wrath. In fact, Jesus Christ took up God's wrath upon himself when he died on the cross. That should have been our experience. We should have died on the cross for our sin. But Jesus took it upon himself. That is why it is a very clear proof or evidence that it's a display of God's grace in our lives. So now after speaking of God's truth and making these promises, God gives the Israelite people a challenge about 
where they place their allegiance. I'm going to read the next section. You can just kind of follow along with me. We're still talking about God reminding us about his grace. I'm going to read verse 8 through 13. Listen to what it says. Bring out the people who are blind, yet have eyes, who are deaf, yet have ears. All the nations gather together and the peoples assemble. Who among them can declare this and show us the former things? Let them bring their witnesses to prove them right and let them hear and say it is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you, and you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Also, henceforth, he said, uh, I am he. There is none who can deliver from my hand. I work, and who can turn it back? I know it seems like a long section here, but I want you to just try to follow what God is trying to say. There's this declaration of God's supremacy over the idols that the Israelite people were worshiping. Because what he's saying is that he is the true and living God and there is none that comes close and none that compares to him. It's almost as if God is calling the people to bring forth their idols and see if they are greater than him. I, I wouldn't say it's like a rumble, like a battle. You want to fight me? Come on. I don't think it's like that completely. But God is saying, just bring those things that you worship. To see if they're greater than what I have done for you. The Israelite people, what they forgot was their calling that they were given as people who will be witnesses. And this is the reason why God says, you are my witnesses. Twice. In verse 10 and then also in verse 12. As they understood their calling and experienced God's grace, they were supposed to testify about who he is. And I was thinking about this, and I said, this is so true of us. When we think about his grace and everything that God has done in our lives back in 2022, and even as we start this new year on this first day, how many times has God, in his loving kindness, shown us his grace and his mercy that we don't deserve? And that's the very thing that we ought to testify to. The problem with us is we like to testify about a lot of things we do. But when we are just witnesses, we are just observing and seeing, and then we are just testifying. Can I ask us right now, what are some of the things that God did in your life in 2022? If some of you came to know the Lord and you got baptized back in 2022, this past year, that is something worth witnessing about. If you saw God answer a prayer in your life, because you were desperate and you asked other people to pray for you and they laid their hands on you and they were interceding for you and somehow God answered that prayer. Then you should be testifying to what you have witnessed. If God has protected you, if God has opened the door, if God has been gracious to you in any way because we have witnessed it, 
of his goodness, his greatness, of his power. We should be the ones who are testifying and witnessing to those things. That's why I think that's what witnessing is really about. We think about, oh, we're going to know all the different theological things about sharing about Jesus Christ. And that's why many of you don't share Jesus Christ to your friends, family, co-workers. Because somehow you think you have to apologetically come up with all the right reasons. Look at even in the New Testament when some of these people, they're like, I don't know who this guy is. He just healed me. What he's doing is he's witnessing of what he saw, what he went through. I'm wondering what would happen if each one of us took the time this coming year to witness, to be an eyewitness, to see what God is doing, and then we testify to people around us, whether it's at work, whether it's people around us, our friends, whoever it may be. I'm just wondering if there will be people who are like, wow, if God can do that in your life, maybe he could do it in my life, and he would, they would want to come, whether to life group or to even Sunday celebration to experience God together as a community. As I was thinking about this, I realized that this is how our church grew. It, it, it wasn't so much of this or that. I mean, there were some things that we did that kind of helped to facilitate people to experience God. But we just know deep inside the reason why we're able to have a greater reach is because people right now in this room and many of you who make up our life group, Somehow you experienced something, and it was good because you began to understand about who God was and how much he loved us through Jesus Christ, even though you were sinful. And as you began to understand that, guess what began to happen? You wanted to share it with others. And so that's what happened. People started sharing about what they were experiencing in our church, in our life group. So they started inviting some of their friends. That's how it happens. It's not this campaign that we do. It's not like this theme that we're focusing in on, even though all those things are good and helpful. When you get to the bottom root of everything, it's because you've experienced something that is powerful. It touched your life. You cannot explain it, but you just saw the power of God in your life. And now as you're spending time with people, they start noticing something different about you. You want them to experience some of those things, so you begin to testify and then invite them to come and experience what you're experiencing. That is our church story. All the way back when we started in 1996, when my wife and I started in University of Michigan, all the way to 2015, what we started here in Hong Kong, that's how we grew. And right now, some of us who have been coming out to our church in this past year, in 2022, I bet it was because you had somebody in our church that shared with you or talked about different things about God, and so you were interested. Now, I am not going to assume anything. Maybe some of you are sitting there because you just clicked onto the internet and you saw one of our ads, or you're scrolling and then you're following all your friends and all of a sudden they like something, you're like, what is this? And this man trying to do some 1990 dancing, you know, some of you are like, what is going on here? 
I'm sure there's some of us who might have come just through an ad or something else and you didn't know anybody. But I would say majority of us here, I don't know the exact percentage, but I would say 9 out of 10, majority of us, we came because of relationships, people that we knew that experienced God. See, this is what happens when you experience the grace of God. You cannot keep it to yourself because you realize you don't deserve it. It was given to you freely by God, and you want to be able to give it to others. Let me put it this way so that you can understand. Do you remember when the whole mask situation, we had to wear the mask, and they were running out of masks? Like, that was a hot commodity, because you don't want to die, right? You thought you were going to die. And so you were very, can I use this, selfish in who you gave it to. But now you could get a mask anywhere. There's a mask lab, you know, you could just design it, Christmas thing. And what do we do? You need a mask? Here. You know, we give it freely. That's the same way with food. Think about it this way. You're at a party. And there's a lot of food, and you're, like, stuffed. And the the person who's hosting the party, what do they say to you? Oh, take some food home. The worst is you take food home, and you don't eat it. You throw it away. That's not good either. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. It's free. It's given to you. And so what do you do? You you go to your dorm floor, and you're like, hey, guys, who wants some turkey? And you just give it away freely. But when you don't have much, then it's harder to give. Don't don't raise your hand. How many of you got the Hong Kong government voucher, the consumption voucher? Okay. Okay. Don't raise your hand. Some of you did. I could tell you. Some of you are like, yeah, I did. I put it on my octopus card. Like, isn't it easy to be generous? Like, why did you get it? Because I'm a citizen of Hong Kong. Or I have a green, uh, not a green card. What is that? I have the ID card. You're about to buy something. Like, let me. Please, it's on me. Because you didn't earn that. It's free. It's extra money. But if you were working, and it's your money, which is really not, it's all God's, but if it's your money, then what are we normally? We're usually selfish, and we don't want to give to other people because we think that we've earned it. And this is the problem time and time again where we forget that everything that we have is from God, and he gave it to us not because we deserved it or somehow we earn it. In fact, it's the opposite. We don't deserve it. You cannot earn it, but he gives us his grace. And as we receive this grace, as the Bible tells us, freely you have received, freely you will what? Give. And that's what the Israelite people forgot. Is that why did God choose the Israelite people? We don't know. Why was it through them that all the nations will be blessed? We don't know. Why did God save you and not your roommate or someone in your other family member 
in your family or someone in your workplace? Why didn't God save that person and leave you, I don't know, as some other religious person? We don't know. That's why grace is so good. When you know that you don't deserve it, you want to, as you freely received it, you want to freely give it to other people. How about us this morning? Have you forgotten the grace of God in 2022 this past year? Of just his loving ways and even protecting us, watching over us. How about with our calling to be witnesses to the world? Have we neglected this calling? Because of our self-centered lives. And we have forgotten his grace. So here's God reminding us of his grace. Let me close with the second point. So God not only reminds us of his grace. But I want you to see here. This is important. This last section in chapter 43. That God reassures us with his grace. So not only does God remind us of his grace. But he reassures us with his grace. As the Israelite people were reminded of God's grace in their lives, now they are reassured of their future. It's because God will fulfill his purpose in them, but it's going to be done by grace and grace alone. Let me talk about quick two quick things here that we notice about how God works through his grace. The first thing is this, God works in unexpected ways. Come on, everyone say that together, okay? God works in unexpected ways. Let me read verse 14 through 21. Listen to what it says. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I send to Babylon, and I bring them all down as fugitives, even as the Chaldeans in the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. Who brings, the for, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down. They cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the desert and rivers in the desert. Or excuse me, can we go back? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I form for myself, that they might declare my praise. What you see here, this, this is very important to understand as we look ahead to 2023. How many times have we seen or experienced God work in these unexpected ways and realized that it was truly, purely by His grace? Something that we didn't deserve. There is this clear reference to how God delivered His people out of Egypt. Look, let's go back to verse 16 and 17. What you will notice when He talks about making a way in the seas, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariots and horse and makes them lie down. This is the imagery of what? Of the experience of the miracle at the Red Sea. Now, why is this important? Why is God referencing as he's speaking to the Israelite people? Because they're no longer in Egypt. Listen to me carefully. They are in Babylon. 
And so what God is trying to say is, this is how I delivered you in the past. And now what he's saying is that I'm going to deliver you in a different way. In fact, Isaiah refers to this new exodus in which God would bring the people back to their homeland for Babylon. He, it was prophesied in Jeremiah. This will help us to understand what God is trying to say. Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 14 and 15. Listen to what it says. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. Then it shall no longer be said, as the Lord lives who brought us up the people out of Israel, of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Let me just pause here. This is what the Israelite people will always recollect and remember. Oh, God has been so faithful to us. God who delivered us from Egypt. That was a rallying cry for the Israelite people to remember that God worked in such a powerful way that he literally delivered the people of God from slavery out of Egypt and then he brought them through the Red Sea so that they could be set free from the bondages of the Egyptian rule. Verse 15. But as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the north country and out of the countries where he had driven them, for I will bring them back to their own land and I will give uh, that I gave to their fathers. Verse 18 and 19 that we read from Isaiah chapter 43, it is a clear exhortation to remember not the former things, which is God's deliverance from Egypt through the miracle power, nor considering things of old, of those stories that we told again and again. But instead, God, it says here, he's doing a new thing. God says that it springs forth, and he says, do you not perceive it? What he's saying is that I'm going to make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You know, and as I was thinking about this, I realized, man, we, we are truly creatures of habit. We get so used to things that they are that we think to ourselves that, you know what? This is good. This is good enough. And what you have to understand, especially, and I'm speaking particularly to those of you who've been in our church, whether from 2015 from the start of it, or maybe you've been around for two, three, some years. Let me just say this to you. It is really easy to, in your own paradigm, to imagine that this is how it's always been done. And I feel like what God is saying to us in 2023 is this, not to consider the things of old. For God is doing a new thing. And that's what he's going to do in 2023. He's going to start doing a new thing. And the question he's asking us, do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? Listen to some of these other translations of that phrase. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. The New Living Translation. Listen to what it says. Read the yellow section with me. It says, but forget all that. It is what? Nothing compared to, like if you keep on going back to what it was and you keep on thinking and you compare it, you're going to miss out on the very thing that God is trying to do. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do for I am about to what? Do something new. See, I have what? Already begun. See, I, I love that phrase. 
you know how many times we don't even see God working and things that he's already putting in motion? You have no clue. I have no clue. But God is promising us, I've already begun. I'm doing a new thing. Do you not see it? Here's another translation, the message translation of the same verse. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going, what? Over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do what? Something brand new is bursting out. Don't you see it? Now, I'm not going to stand here and start predicting everything that's going to happen in 2023. But I will say this. There will be changes. I mean, already we're meeting in a new place. Can I get a good amen? Low ceilings, but, you know, I, I really do miss the TV screen in the back. You could change it, do all that stuff. Like already, towards the end of 2022, he's doing a new thing. And in 2023, he might do more new things. Are you ready? Do you perceive it? That he has already begun? And this is the reason why we have to trust in him as we go through some of these things. As we remember his grace. And as we remember and he reassures us that it is through his grace, we're going to be able to do some of the things that he has put before us. I'm going to skip over some of this stuff. Let me just go over the last thing here. God works not only in unexpected ways, but God works in uncomfortable ways. Come on, everyone say that together with me. God works in uncomfortable ways. I think for many of us, there's a strong desire and longing for comfort. I think that's the thing that kills the church. We long for comfort. And can I just say this? You need to understand as you get older, you're going to long for it even more. I remember when I was in college. I could sleep on the ground. and I'd be like, yeah, I, I still remember. There was a retreat that we used to go to. There were about 1,000 college students at this retreat. I'm almost 100% sure that we broke every single zoning and rules and law. We violated every law. How do I know that? Because in some of the rooms, guys were sleeping in the bathtub. That's how bad it was. There was no room for everyone. I think that place only held maybe 600, but we made 1,000 people fit in somehow. People were sleeping on the ground, in the hallway, in the bathroom, in the bathtub. I remember, and we loved it. We loved it. We're like, yeah, we're suffering for Jesus. But let's be real now. As soon as you start working, you realize, oh, I get a stipend when I travel. Oh, I can stay at a five-star hotel if I want to. Oh, I get this much money. I get $800 for whatever I want to. If I don't want to eat, I want to fast. I could then take that $800 and keep it for myself and give it as an offering to the church. I mean, I could, there's a lot of stuff I can do with this. And then you start calculating. You realize, oh, I don't have to sleep in a bathtub. This is nice. But because you're just entry level, you don't understand. Wait until you get to manager. Wait until you get some of the promotions. And that's when your eyes are opening and you realize, I hate bathtubs. I don't want to sleep in bathtubs. I don't want to eat at this restaurant. Some of you are like, these are the best. This has the best chashu ever. No, it doesn't. You haven't tasted good ones. You're going to have to spend at least 800 something Hong Kong dollars. There's some good ones. 
So what I'm trying to say is this. The older you get, the more comfort that you long for. And I'm not trying to say it's completely wrong. But this is where we have to at least confess is that many of us, and as we live longer here on this earth, we long for more comfort and to the point where we forget, as the Bible tells us, that we are aliens and strangers or sojourners or pilgrims in this world. We're just passing by. Some of you, the way you're living, or especially those of you who are still young, the kind of lifestyle that you are aspiring for, you want to somehow believe that you're going to stay on this earth forever. And you're not. We're going to die, all of us, in this room. We will all die one day. Some of us might live 10 years longer than somebody else or even 30 years longer than somebody else. We just don't know how long we have on this earth. And the desire for comfort is so strong. That's why you have to sometimes go against it and push yourself to the point where you say, God, am I going to choose you or am I going to choose myself? What I want you to notice, and like I said, I'm not going to have time to read all this, but let me just summarize some of the stuff for you. In verses 22 through 28, you will notice that he reminds them of their sin and how it led to their captivity. But the question is this, what is their sin? What did they do? Let's read verse 22 and 20, uh, through 24 at least. It says this, yet you did not call upon me, O Jacob, but you have, not been, weary, have been weary of me, O Israel. You have not brought me your sheep for burnt offerings or honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with sacrifices or wearied you with frankincense. You have not bought me sweet cane with money or satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices, but you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. What you notice here is this. God is simply saying, you know what the sin is? You have neglected me. They neglected God because they did not call upon him, nor did they bring their sacrifices to him. And God just simply calls them out and exposes them. I love how the message translation translates this. And this will give you a glimpse of what God is trying to say to the Israelite people. But you didn't pay a bit of attention to me, Jacob. You so quickly tired of me, Israel. You wouldn't even bring sheep for offering in worship. You couldn't be bothered with sacrifices. It wasn't that I asked that much of from you. I didn't expect expensive presents, but you didn't even do the minimum. So stingy with me, so close-fisted, yet you haven't been stingy with your sins. You've been plenty generous with them, and I'm fed up. Wow, that, th- this translation I understand. Right? It makes sense. Sometimes when you read it in a more of the literal translation, you're like, huh? But when you read this, like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> the reason why this is so powerful, listen to me, is because what God is saying is you've neglected me. Because you weren't seeking after me, and you've been like, God, you're, just, you're making me tired. I'm getting burnt out. And God is scratching his head. If you could scratch his head metaphorically. He, scratch, he goes, how have I burdened you? How have I wearied you? Because everything that I'm asking you to do is for you. So that you can grow. You can experience me. 
So ultimately that I will receive all the glory. This is the reason why some of you right now are in situation. I, I just thought of that woman. Mm, mm, mm. You know that woman in the video? Sorry. I don't know why that image just stuck in my mind. She goes, it's about time. You know? Sorry. Listen. The reason why some of you are in uncomfortable situations, if, should I dare say, difficult times, because he's trying to wake you up. He's trying to stir you so that you can seek him. You can offer yourself as a living sacrifice to him so that he can use you. That's why so often we, we spurn or we don't want difficulties or we don't want things that will disrupt our lives. And I'm telling you right now, that is God's discipline and his love for some of you right now in this room. Some of it is the consequences of your sin. God said he will never take that away, but he'll still use it for something for our good and for his glory. But some of us who are facing uncomfortable situations, it could be relational, it could be something internal, it could be mental, whatever you're facing in your life right now, that is God trying to stir you and that is another sign of his grace that you're going down this road and you're going to fall off the cliff, but God loves you too much. So he's waking you up so you can go away from that direction. That's his love for you. That is his grace. I don't know if you know how pearls are made. Do, do you know how pearls are made? There's a picture here. I don't know if you can see it. In an oyster, you see that pearl. And you will not get this thing that so many people desire, this beautiful thing, if there wasn't an irritant, if there wasn't a piece of sand or some kind of broken shell or something that goes inside of the oyster. And then because it's an irritant, the oyster begins to release different pro uh, proteins and different chemicals so that it can cover up that irritant, whatever it is. And it begins to harden, and that's how you get the pearl. This is why God, in His grace, is using some of the difficult things of your life so that He can make something that is beautiful. But every single time we go through something difficult, instead of seeing it God's grace upon our lives, yes, He's using unexpected things. Yes, he's using uncomfortable things because what he wants from us is to become more like his son, Jesus Christ. That's why in verse 26, God challenges people to make their case if they're innocent. You know what? If you think you're innocent, then make your case. And that's why, look at some of these translations. It says here, it says, let us review the situation together, and you can present your case to prove your innocence. Or the message translation, it says, so make your case against me. Let's have this out. Let's have this out. Make your arguments. Prove that you're right. And as all of us know, we cannot prove ourselves to be innocent. We're guilty as charged. We love comfort. We choose ourselves over God. God, you weary us because we don't love you. We, were, we, we were weary you. We, 
we make you tired to think about how patient God has been with us in 2022. This past year, how many times has he been patient? How many times that he did not give us what we deserve? How many times has he protected us? How many times has he watched over us? How many times has he opened up doors and have done things that we didn't deserve? That's when we humble ourselves and say, God, we need you. This is the beauty of the gospel. For many of us in this room, we try so hard to control our lives, to determine our own future. But this is the thing that causes broken relationships, emptiness in your life. This is what causes a lot of the sense of purposelessness. Because everything is about you. You're trying to do things for yourself. And God simply says, that's sin because you're living your life apart from me. This is the reason why Jesus Christ came into this world. He had to die on that cross for our sins so that we can be set free, so we can have life. He ransomed you and I. So that as we experience this freedom, now we are forever grateful. And our allegiance is no longer to ourselves and the things of this world, but our allegiance is given over to Jesus Christ. He's our king. He's our master. He is the one that we worship. I'm just wondering as we look ahead to 2023, what are you going to do that will make your life different as you really begin to realize there's nothing I can do apart from the grace of God? May he remind us of his grace as we start 2023. May he reassure us no matter what we're going through, what we're facing, reassure us with his grace that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That's why we can look at our future with confidence when we rely on God with dependence. I'm going to ask us to do a couple things as we look ahead. Uh, I've been telling some of the people I'm spending time with, personal time, discipling, mentoring, to really begin to start evaluating or reflecting on 2022 and then coming up with some things for 2023. Some goals, some things that they want to do. Some of them haven't done it yet, but uh, we're waiting. And I'm ready to reveal mine, but I'm going to wait until all of them give their 2023 goals. Here's some next steps that I want to give to you. The first thing is this. Spend some time in reflection. You, you are going to make the same mistake that you made this past year. You're going to make it again in 2023. If you do not take some time in reflection. The worst is when you make the same mistakes over and over again. It's because it is an unexamined life that is not worth living. Can I just challenge us? I know school hasn't started yet for some of you guys. You're like, woohoo! But you, what are you doing the last couple of weeks? Video games, Netflix, just chilling, sleeping forever. Doing, I mean, you, it's almost as if like life is just at a standstill, and it's not. Life will go on. Spend some time in reflection. Those of us who are working, you're like, well, I don't get that much 
days off. Right now, we haven't started the ministry. I mean, we're going to start soon. But it is a good time when that's why we have breaks along the way. That we don't just keep on meeting as life groups all the way through. But we take these breaks at the appropriate time so that we can kind of replenish and we get recharged. Spend some time in reflection. Do it today. I think it's going to be important before we start this new week. It's already the first of January. So before this day is through, spend some time in reflection. The second thing is this. Will you set up some goals for 2023? Now, it doesn't mean you're going to reach every single one. Even from last year, I set some goals. I, I didn't even come close. But what it does is that helps us to give us some focus. Here are some areas that I'm going to focus in on. Here are some goals in my life that I want my life to count. I want to impact people. I want to impact the world. That means that you have to have some goals. Can I just encourage some of us? Some of us, you get really discouraged because you say you're going to read the Bible, but you, after the first week, you stop. And you always get these types of people. I, I, I don't know where, what, what God, God is patient. So what happens is these people who are maybe like two weeks behind, what do they do? They just try to read the whole thing and, do, and then try to catch up and then try to read. And I said, that is one of the not smartest things to do. Why? Because you're reading as if it's some kind of textbook that you're going to be having an exam on. So you just have to read it so you can get credit for it. God's Bible, His Word, is not something you get credit for. It's His living Word. He wants to speak to you. So if you stop, like three months ago, wherever you stop, start there. Some of us, this really reveals a lot of your perfectionistic tendency, and that's what you have to repent of. You're not God. You need God. So if you haven't touched the Bible... 2022 for a while start right where you left off even though it might be many many books behind where we are right now at least start somewhere slowly just little by little start reading the word set some goals i'm going to spend at least 10 minutes in prayer just every single day once a week i'm going to spend some time in reflection whatever it is set some goals third thing is this you got to send out your game plan to others. Some of you are like, I got goals, but you don't tell anybody. You know what that is? That's like shooting an arrow in the sky and then wherever it lands, you draw a circle like bullseye. I got it. It's not going to work. You got to set some goals and then share it with others. Why? Because when others hear about it, they go, hey, how's that coming along? That's like the worst. The worst. Is when you set goals and people come up to you, hey, pastor, how's it coming along? How are those push-ups and those sit-ups? <laughs> I'm like a, I'm, I make myself suffer. Because how many years now I have not hit that goal, but I keep on putting the same, I'm going to do the same amount, 40,000 and 40,000. This year, I think God knocked some sense into me. And he said simply, make it realistic. 25 and 25. 10,000 steps. The app on my phone. The worst is when you check, it's like 900. You're like, oh, God, what a bad day. 
You didn't do anything. But the point I'm trying to make is this. When other people know about what you're trying to do, they can keep you accountable. And the last thing is this. Start today. Start today. The 1st of, of January, 2023. Start today, whatever it is. Whatever God is setting forth. I pray that you will do that. As you can tell, today we're going to take communion. And I think it's an appropriate thing to do as we redirect our focus, not in ourselves, as we think about 2023, but we look to God. We look to Him because we cannot do this on our own. For us to be confident in the future that God has for us, we need to learn how to depend on Him. And we learn how to depend on Him as we are reminded of His grace, as we are reassured with His grace that everything we do is not because we earn something or we deserve something, but is because of God and God alone. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.